0: You're listening to Passion Pod number 38 with Erby Whale.
1: So, Erby Whale, you are a music man. Yeah. <laughs> I came to watch one of your gigs. And I was going to say I introduced you as like you play the bass. of crap! You seem to play every single instrument under the sun.
0: I've finessed it down over the years. It used to be predominantly harmonium and glock and spiel. Try and get laid with that. <laughs> uh, that's, 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 a, that's a tough gig. But yeah, started out as violin actually. I started violin when I was about four.
1: Do you always just enjoy playing music or was it something you were kind of encouraged to do I guess at that age? I
0: think I used to mum started well she played violin and piano but I used to be able to sing along to nursery rhymes I'd be found kind of sitting singing stuff that had been playing
1: Terribly sweet <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. ter- Sorry to be patronising I was
0: a really ugly baby so <laughs> really it's like, yeah it's that. cute he's yeah. got good singing Yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Um... <laughs> So yeah so you're now playing In There and The Whale but you've take me on a little bit of a timeline you've been playing music. Music all through well,
0: when you were younger. Yeah, I think I think every band you're ever in, you hope or you're trying to make sure it works, you know. But bizarrely, it's some kind of full circle really nicely because I for my first band when I was. I think 11. We're called The Nuclear Toads.
1: Oh, great name.
0: With um, my mate Doug. And Doug was the guy who was the original drummer in Now and the Well, who actually called me up when I was, well, I would have been 22, 23. And he said, why don't you come and play with me and Charlie, his younger brother, who's the singer. Charlie's just made a film with the fourth album and the band in it is called The Nuclear Toads. Oh, my God. So it's kind of come full circle. Yeah, so I started playing in that band and then we actually started getting... Literally getting instruments, like I wanted to play guitar, but I didn't have a guitar, and Doug wanted to play drums, but he didn't have drums, so you kind of go through getting the stuff, and then we played together for a bit, and then there were different bands at school, then a slightly different band at uni, and so kind of formed a rock and roll band called Hunting Dodo, that was really, really good fun, and then when that band broke up, I joined Noah on the Well.
1: So if you weren't doing music, what sort of things do you think you'd be doing? Or is it something that has just been always always in the old vein? Well, I,
0: I, yeah, I, I think it's just something, the problem is you see a lot of people doing it like, or in the industry that haven't been able to leave. And I think it's for two reasons, probably. I think once you get a taste of doing something that you love doing, it's very difficult to do anything else to the same degree. I mean, there are very, very few people, obviously, that like love what they're doing. Some people know that they've got a sweet deal or you kind of trade off because you do it for the money or the fact you like travelling and you get this or you get x amount of holiday a year and so you kind of go into that and lower your expectations and settle um without sounding incredibly smug unfortunately because there's always that thing especially bands don't last you've got to be realistic about it but like i think the reason why it's it's worked up until now and it hasn't and it's been tough but like You've got to throw everything into it, you know, with nothing as a backup.
1: You give it your full attention, basically. Well,
0: my dad always tried to make me do a law conversion course and something, and so you've, which was never going to happen. But as soon as I you came. Nice I try, dad. Yes, it, it, it got to this really awkward point though, when I was between bands when Hunting Dodo broke up. So
1: that was sort of after uni, sort of Yeah, time. that
0: was the first year after uni. And he was like, Look, I tell you what I'll do. I'll pay for a law conversion course Please. or whatever, and you can live at mine. You can get a job in the evening, like at work at bars. Something. And, uh, you know, you can still play guitar and, you know, all this kind of thing. And, it's and meanwhile, like, your
1: heart is breaking in front of Yeah, yeah, like,
0: that sounds like the worst. I mean, it's, anyway, and it's, I think as soon as you kind of have that, I mean, this, this, the flip side is it can also never work. But as soon as you stop and think, well, I've got this backup plan if this doesn't happen. I think it's kind of over. You know, the thing's kind of over. It's a ridiculous thing to want to do, especially as an adult, especially as you get older. And you're like, you know, my CV for anything else. I mean, this is the other thing. Your CV for anything else makes you you're completely unemployable. So you, you you can just kind of hope that if you hang around long enough, you can throw yourself into something else with the same abandonment. But.
1: So it's courage of your conviction, I guess, is it?
0: Well, I think so, yeah. And I think you create your own luck. I mean, we did, when, when I joined, we were playing six nights a week, I think five, six nights a week, everywhere we could. And we did it for a year and a half, which is exhausting. You don't do anything else. And then when it does start to take off, you're obviously maintaining that kind of intensity. Maybe you get travel days thrown in and stuff, but you're just playing wherever you can. And so you don't go to, like, mates' weddings, and you don't go to, you know... Your mum's birthday, or you don't go to anything like that. I remember, like, two years ago, I had one thing I was trying to make that year. And, like, I had to wake up really early in Budapest and get a flight back and then they picked me up it was a massive like a team operation get that do the wedding and then leave immediately the next day to go out to the states and that was the one thing I was desperate to try and do that year so like you know it's the
1: reality of it I guess the, the reality
0: it? of it but then if you make it work it's like anything else and then you know if there are perks to that as much as negatives
1: going back a bit though there sweetie in that transition period where you guys you know were really just hammering it every night of the week pretty mm. much how are you supporting yourself financially in that sort of thing?
0: I was doing an office job because the thing is I didn't want to do anything that I wanted to actually do. So I did a telesales job selling commercial property information. And I go in, I'd go in, in my suit for gig which is around that time was I mean it could have killed an epileptic at 20 paces. I think the outfit so was kind of rocking. It was I just can horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but the advantage of doing telesales is that you can work certain shifts. So we we supported Based, I think it was so Leeds one night, Birmingham one night. Thankfully, the Scottish gigs fell on the weekend. Um, but I was literally coming back on like a Monday night at three in the morning, getting into work at seven or 7.30, working at 7.30 till four o'clock shift. So I could leave at four because I needed to get to Leeds. And I, I had a panic attack at the end of that week. I'm not surprised. I was did have a heart uh, I, attack. I, I d- well, I thought it was a heart attack. Yeah. It was the most embarrassing thing. I was <laughs> sitting at work on Friday. I was like, I'm having a heart attack. Uh, in fairness, I was drinking too much. I was drinking a lot of free red stripe which is your form of currency when you're in that kind of bed and I said and the guy I need an ambulance and the guy was like well I'll, I'll get you a taxi and I was like well I'm having a heart attack." and no one took it seriously so oh I ended God. up going to the hospital I'm and I was stifling like, the giggles yeah, there but I think like, that is epic yeah it was, it was, I, was I started phoning my mum and um, people oh, I wanted you. to say goodbye to no oh, one God. was picking up uh but it was just that I, and I was just like you know and I, I had this in my notes on Monday which I wasn't getting paid <laughs> so we weren't getting paid or making any money at that point so quite a
1: big decision then
0: yeah it was quite a big decision but the, the money a little bit started to trickle in enough to kind of make enough to just about you know still survive but yeah we were pretty broke for the first two and a half years. So you, you don't saying... care <laughs> you don't, it doesn't not matter at all you know? as soon as you can start you can make any money you know it's it's great it's getting that crossover of, uh, oh, someone's come to see us. Even if it's just two, three people, or someone knows that song. That's a huge thing. Or you're, you're playing to people that weren't expecting to see you play and they really like it. Or someone says something nice <laughs> about your band. It's or or like it's really basic stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, let alone when you start. I remember um, when we did our first single launch and, you know, it was rammed. And people actually turned up for it. I mean, it was free. And a lot of them were our mates. Look. Uh, yeah, lovely. and a lot of them were music musicians playing on the bill that night but that's you know irrelevant absolutely irrelevant
1: numbers at the door that's what there we're, we're talking were also
0: people I'd never met before at that. and um and that's
1: exciting <laughs> yeah yeah I exactly. um, you talked earlier sweetie about the traveling and stuff like that do you reckon that's probably the biggest challenge of the particular passion that you're pursuing
0: well, I'm quite good at talk, I think. I love the trajectory of the day where you kind of wake up someone new and you end the day with a gig playing to people, making you and people you're playing with happy. And that's a really nice way of ending a day. I think like... the hardest thing about it is that you can't chart it and there's no formula that makes it work. So... You, you can't predict it like a business plan. I do think, and lots of people in the industry disagree with me on this point, but I do think that um, if you graft away at it, you can make headway and you do make your own luck musicians as a whole you know similar to a lot of professions like this like there's a lot of there's a lot more people saying they're actors and you know talking about it than actual people on stage you know and the same with musicians a lot of people oh he's a musician and you know but when did you last gig and it's like like a month and a half ago you know
1: but there's a thing with what you're saying that is it comes back to yes you know luck but it's also this thing of making your own luck i feel that's really relevant for you you know you can't just sit there and wait for it to happen
0: well, I think that's a rule for life, though, isn't it, in whatever you're doing. And you've got to believe in that anyway. There's not a rationale to it as well, I think. That's the other thing as well. That you've, the early touring that we used to do, there's, there's no rationale to it. And you know, if you stand back and take the kind of caring parental approach, like where's this actually going, you're not earning money from this, you can't. And you can't justify it that way. It doesn't make any sense. And looking back on it, you'd only do... You'd only sleep on an airport floor and not give give a toss. You know, it'll go for four days without a shower. Which, Ooh. to be honest, when you're 20... Fresh. You're fine. It's a but, bonus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an excuse. I shower now. Thank oh, um, God, you wouldn't be in the house. <laughs> but the... Um, that you can't... You can't... You know, there's an irrationality which kind of comes with it because you just... You, know, you can't believe you're doing it kind of thing.
1: Um, if you were to give yourself one bit of advice... I don't know, five years ago, ten years ago. What do you reckon you'd have given yourself?
0: Um, I don't need over 100 Hawaiian shirts. Oh, don't need them. Don't need really? them. Don't need them. What Just stopped c- at ten. Nah. I mean, they weren't expensive. They are all about a quid each. But, you, you know, you don't need more than 100, do you? That is a, probably the best lot, nugget though. we've ever had,
1: actually. <laughs> I feel that's really coming up top trumps.
0: <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I would have probably... Um, I would have been more focused on the technique of things. Like, I was chatting to um, one of my absolute heroes, this guy called Norman Watroy, who's a bass player with Ian jury and the Blockheads, and I was lucky enough to uh, meet him, and he was saying that you just learn your craft. And he said, if you learn your craft, then there's always going to be work for you and I don't do you think
1: you've not done that by default by your interest in all these different music I mean you started off playing the bloody well yeah I think you play anything?
0: what you need. I think you do what you need to do I mean the, the other thing as well with a band it's probably slightly different to for example like acting or something because you need to work with people it's great being brilliant musician but you need to play and work well with others and take the criticism and be able to kind of coexist. you spend more time with these people than anyone else so is
1: that Is that something that you think came naturally or is that something you think one has to work at?
0: I naturally gravitate towards that. And, you know, you're not designed to, to live alone anyway
1: quite nice to have each other to share it with
0: yeah and go through experiences I think that's a real benefit you get to go through and do everything with your mates
1: I'm, I was quite interested to pick up on what you were saying about learning your craft sweetie just quickly mm. just talk to me a bit more about that you know what would one have done practiced more no because you did that all without trying put more gigs you will? no, because you did loads
0: that's very fair I think well I think there's a um I mean I think one of the hardest things to do is actually be a good self-critic and be brutally brutally honest
1: good and bad though
0: Good and bad, but um... mainly bad. <laughs> mainly <just laughs> well, you know, stating yourself. So, so someone's mum's always going to tell you, I mean, ho- hopefully your own, but that it's wonderful. I was very lucky we had a, um, a teacher at school who um, was a drum teacher, actually, but he used to take these band classes, and, um, and a lot of guys, actually, uh, Marcus Mumford was in this class from Mumford and so and he was taught drums by this guy who's called Rich Coles, actually, credit where credit's due, and he taught a load of guys who are now doing are all in different bands and doing all different kinds of stuff but you know he taught the importance of playing in time as a band as a unit together and how you do it and everything from counting out what other people's parts are doing, I mean I'm sure there's loads of transferable skills in it obviously but know what other rhythms everybody else is doing, learning how to play in time and subdividing time because we play played with quite a lot of orchestral players and uh, we've got a string tape with us at the moment and you know coming from that world as a violin player there's just not the priority on being able to play in time time. time um what we'd call you know proper time you know if there was a click there or not you know everything speeds up towards the course everything speeds up when it gets excited when bands play quietly you know often everything slows down there's all these classic things that it sounds really easy but the hardest thing to do is to play simply well because there's nowhere to hide yeah it's something that
1: people don't think of either i guess then it comes back to exactly what you're saying about it being a craft
0: yeah you know for example i mean that's not so much technique and technique you can learn and stuff like that and thankfully you can practice and timing you can as well but you get good at what you do i think is the other thing you can get great at playing guitar in your bedroom if you're out there gigging every night you'll get good at gigging you'll get better at handling a crowd solely by being in front of a crowd um you can't really fax it in
1: and then you're gonna know is to try it
0: yes exactly yeah oh well, there's always an excuse as well i mean but you know.
1: which some of which are fair enough but i do think if you want something enough you're I think
0: people naturally I mean you don't want to go and see people doing stuff if they don't really want to be doing it anyway Um. because it's a
1: bit soulless really
0: yeah, I mean, th- I mean, there are some benefits to the fact that people now, you know, want to be, you know, essentially just famous for something. You they- think there's
1: benefits in that?
0: Well, because it's bloody obvious <laughs> yeah. in the music or if you chat to them about stuff or even, you know, it- even the pride someone takes in their guitar, you know, and, and- <laughs> Fred's the same. You know, we can bore people senseless about just endless gear chat because we love it and it means so much to us to sound good, <laughs> to have good tone. And I'm sure it's transferable to loads of other stuff as well. But and I, I think the flip side of it is I've always said that or thought to myself, at least no one really listens to what I say. But the, <laughs> you can um, keep talking. About the, it's, all the, as well, the, <laughs> it's all great as long as whatever happens going forward, you can always leave with your passion for what you do solely intact. I don't want it to get tainted by the industry in any way, shape or form. Sometimes it's quite hard, I guess.
1: Um, yeah, how does one protect oneself from that, do you think?
0: I think the the better you get and the more music you play, the more you're forever into it. So with the last record, we recorded it live. Um, I don't think anyone knows about I'm I'm furious. that we <laughs> No, you know, and we were all just in a room together, just playing live. And then, you know, the first single went out on the radio and that's us playing live in a room up against everything that's produced and uh, moved around and pro-tooled and everything to the nth degree but you know it's it's about constantly I think when you're forever hopefully getting better you know like I'm more into music now than ever before and so hopefully that will continue going you can see people that you know and I've met quite a lot of people that have done all different kinds of things maybe for the money maybe for this but for that and obviously there are constraints and all this kind of stuff I don't have kids but you know, you don't want to leave hating your passion, I think that would be, you know, or having that passion dented in any way, shape or form, I think that would be really uh, detrimental to life.
1: Do you think it's a matter of continuing to challenge yourself? I think it is.
0: I mean, it's a cliche, but it's very important to do something that you're ultimately going to fail at. If it's safer than that, it's, it's quite dangerous, I think. You've been listening to Passion Pod number 38 with Erby Whale.